you're listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. I have Corinne Reed here, who is a beauty content creator and influencer, and now business owner of Done Drinking, which just launched, which is a non-alcoholic cocktail. I'm going to let you get into like the nitty gritties of everything about the cocktail, but I'm so excited to have you on, especially since I feel like we're actually friends. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited to be here. This is actually my first podcast. So, Oh my gosh. Yay. So excited. I'm just going to have you jump in. I would love for you to kind of just start with how you even got into the industry, the beauty industry, the content creation space, like where it all started and what led to done. I know that's a big question. Rewind to like 2015. I had just graduated college. Don't do the math if you're listening. (laughs) And I was living at home in Rhode Island where I'm from. And I became like obsessed with beauty YouTube videos. So I was watching like Jaclyn Hill and Kathleen Mm Lights and all like the, you know, OG Manny MUA, like OG YouTubers. I was working at like this ad agency that I absolutely hated in Providence. And I would just spend every single paycheck on makeup. And then I would go down to my basement and I have the first video I did. It's so funny. I started just filming videos in my parents' basement and it was YouTube. Like YouTube was, again, showing my age. Like Instagram was just getting started then in terms of like influencing on Instagram. So I was posting some like YouTube videos and then very quickly after that, people kind of switched to Instagram. So I started posting there um, just as like a part-time hobby, you know, at the time in 2015, I'd gone through like a really bad breakup. So I was like, you know, it was like my little outlet, creative outlet. I moved to Boston. I have a full-time job as a a beauty copywriter. Um, Okay, that's super cool. So you were like in the beauty industry, but not doing the content creation side full-time yet. The content stuff was part-time. It was always like a side hustle. And then I worked uh, for a handful of different, so I went from Boston and then in 20, God, fall of 2017, I moved to New York City. So I've been here for almost in the fall it'll be seven years seven years wow wow crazy crazy how time flies but um when I moved to New York City I was still doing beauty copywriting I worked for Victoria's Secret Beauty I worked for Pat McGrath I worked for Peace wow. Out Skincare yeah a bunch of like the big name beauty brands that are at Sephora and then it wasn't until a few years ago I decided to take on like a full-time freelance role so I, I didn't I wasn't officially doing like a nine-to-five job I was doing freelance but it was like 40 hours a week and then from there slowly transitioned out and it got wow. to the point where I was making more doing content than I was at my desk job and yes the two incomes were nice but it was just not sustainable so I was like I need to make a decision and I feel like it's now or never I decided to go full-time content creation a couple of years ago Do you think that you were always like good at makeup and like, it was just like a love that you just got good at, or was it something that you feel like you wanted to pursue and you were just like, okay, I have to get good because I feel like just in makeup in general, and I'm going to pick your brain a lot about like, not just mental health and entrepreneurship, but some like beauty stuff too, because you're such a beauty guru. Like you think it came with like experience or do you think it was something that was like always natural to you? Cause I think a lot of times people are very intimidated by doing their own makeup. 
Mm-hmm. No, it was not natural at all. My mom is like all natural, doesn't wear any makeup. And I'm an only child, so I didn't have older sisters that, you know, played with makeup. I was always into like fashion and, you know, doing my hair and styling outfits. But the whole makeup you know, beauty stuff didn't come till honestly 2015 till after college. I was in a sorority in college and we would all like do makeup, but I was so bad at it. I didn't know what contouring was. I plucked my eyebrows. (laughs) My, you know, my college roommate had to tell me she sat me down and this is a true friend. (laughs) We've actually lost touch. Nicole Carilla, if you're listening to this, you probably aren't, but you were the real (laughs) OG friend. She sat me down and she was like, Corinne, your eyebrows are so thin. You need to stop fucking them. I'm going to take you to my eyebrow threader. <laughs> she oh. went, yeah. And then, so I was like, you know, overpluck the eyebrows. I would take like bronzer and just like, I wanted to just be tan. So I would just like put it all over my face. Like that's oh what, that my was God. my, there was no foundation. There was no concealer. It was just bronzer all over my face, some eyeliner and some mascara like and, and some lip gloss maybe. So but, funny. I look back at old pictures of myself in like high school and college. And I'm like, why did no one tell me to stop wearing so much liquid eyeliner and like to stop filling in my eyebrows with black eyeshadow? I, like, I know it's, <laughs> it's, it's rough looking back. So it was definitely a learned something I had to teach myself and something I consciously wanted to teach myself. I've always been very creative. Like I said, like, like into fashion into doing my hair, but yeah. makeup specifically, I was a late bloomer. For totally. Sure. I think me too. I was actually talking about this on the podcast episode that went live this week about like the 27 lessons I've learned. And most of them were deep, but one of them was like a beauty spitfire. And I was talking about how important it is to just like experiment with makeup mm-hmm. looks on yourself because so much stuff looks different on different people. And the way I've gotten good is just by practicing because mm-hmm. I wasn't good either ever. And like, I feel like now I'm like, okay, I know what looks good on me. I like feel comfortable experimenting or whatever, but it's hard. It takes practice. It's like an art. Totally. And I feel like even now during fashion week last week, I had, um, I got my makeup done twice and Yes, these makeup artists were so talented, but no one knows your face like you do. And so I'm actually opting to do my own makeup for my wedding along with my mom's makeup. And I'm going to definitely like work with my makeup artist friends and like get some tips and tricks because there are like technical aspects that I have not mastered yet. But I do feel like when it comes to makeup, your face, like you know your face better than anyone else. When I got my makeup done last week, yes, I looked good, but I was like, I don't know, like it didn't feel me and like, you know, like the way your eyes, like they're rounded or hooded or like your lips, like how you like to line them or, you know, where your cheekbones are. Like you just know your face really well. So I feel like experimenting on yourself is like the best way. It does instill a sort of, I want to say like confidence because I feel like depending on how you do your makeup, your, your face can really change. Like contouring is like, I mean, if you're doing it wrong, you can look totally different than what you would look like if you like moved your bronzer up this is speaking to maybe a little bit of like the beauty industry and beauty standards in general but makeup has the power to like really make you feel confident and I think that's like a little bit controversial sometimes but I think Mm -hmm. like practicing is important because you just you'll look at pic especially for me I think probably for you too we film ourselves so much take so many Mm -hmm. pictures you can like see like "Mm, I don't think that worked out that time but I really liked how I did it that day you know one of the downsides of 
being a beauty creator is constantly staring at your face. And so mm-hmm. I will notice things about myself and my like fiance will be like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't <laughs> even notice that. I'm like, yeah. oh, I have like one single gray hair. Like I have like a little new sunspot on my face or something so yeah. random. But when you're constantly staring at yourself, you start to pick out those things and it's a blessing and a curse. Like, obviously, you know, I know everything about my face and I have to have confidence. Like I feel like you have to have a level of confidence to work in the industry we do. And I think you grow tough skin and you grow a confidence that I didn't have before this career, but it definitely puts that confidence to the test. I was going to ask you if, if it's always been like that, we've all struggled with confidence, but like, was this something that you feel like took time? I feel like you're very open about like your mental health journey and stuff, but was there ever anything about the beauty industry that has gotten to you? Or do you feel like that part of your like pillar of your life has always been pretty stable? I, it's funny. If you were to ask my mom, she would be like, you were the most confident kid. And I will say that confidence is something I have had since I was little. And she always talks about this story. So I went to a Catholic elementary school and were like, my mom always jokes, she's like, we were the poor ones. We were not poor, but we were definitely on the lower like a lower middle class, like the lower really, bracket compared the lower to bracket else. all of the riches. Yes. So like I had a great, you know, childhood, but, um, definitely on the, the, in terms of money did not have what other kids had. And so on every school vacation, all everyone would go on these trips. And at the time it was just me and my mom. Um, it was before she met my stepdad after she divorced my dad. So it was just the two of us. And she was living paycheck to paycheck to like put me through this schooling and we couldn't go on vacation. And so there was one day and she tells this story like all the time, whenever I'm like feeling any self-doubt, she's like, do you remember? It was like in fourth or fifth grade. It was school vacation. Everyone was going away. And they used to come back with like the like hair wraps and like braids in their hair. Yeah. yeah. And I would always be so jealous because like the next, you know, you come back on like the Monday after break and everyone had their hair done from like, you know, Jamaica or the Caribbean, wherever they went, even like Disney did it. I think before we came back to school, I locked myself in my room and I <laughs> just started putting all these braids in my hair. And I was like, I'm going to do it myself. Like, Aww. and I came out looking like, you know, Albert Einstein, like crazy, crazy. <laughs> but my, my mom sat me down and she was, she was like, Corinne, you know, do you want to go to, you know, she gave me it out to be like, potentially you might be made fun of. But she said that I was like, no, like I'm going to school. Everyone else is going to have the braids and the hair wraps and I'm having them too. And I walked into school and like, I don't remember ever being made fun of, but she was like, you had this confidence that like, you were like, I don't care what people think. And I feel like I've tried to carry that, you know, throughout my adult life. I think when it comes to like anxiety, like mental health in general, like anxiety and depression are things I've struggled with. But in terms of specifically like confidence, I'm, I'm lucky that it it has been something, of course, we all have our bad days. And especially in this industry, like, you know, I'll get a mean comment, but I've always tried to just stay true to like, uh, this is going to sound like, you know, my psychiatrist tells me like my inner child, like my inner child knew who she was. She was confident. She didn't let anyone, you know, sway her beliefs or sway her opinion of herself. So I try to just always go back to that. You know, when you were little, like you didn't have these cares, you didn't care what people thought of you. You didn't care what you looked like. You didn't care what your body looked like. You just like were happy. I feel the same way. Like, I feel like I've always been confident in like who I am. Mm-hmm. And like been very unapologetic about like, again, like showing up, like if I want to wear like something crazy, I always wanted to pave my own way. But I think as I've gone older and obviously this is just life, but like the experience have like kind of dimmed that like confidence and inner child. I recently saw a picture of myself at a restaurant and I was definitely like on the 
the chubbier side, like for most of my young life. And I feel like I was just so confident. And now I feel like I am like fit and like I work out whatever. And I would feel so insecure to pose the same way that I did mm-hmm. in this photo I found of me when I was young. I had like my gut hanging out. I was in this like a halter top. Like I did not care. Love a halter. With like plaid shorts on. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't care. And I remember seeing it and it like made me like, kind of like sad. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like this is so beautiful that I like didn't care. I, I do think my core, like the core of me is confident, but like I will say as I've gotten older to your point, it has gotten dimmed at times. And especially in our industry, like, like outward facing, I can be really confident and then I can kind of, according to my therapist, be really hard on myself. And I actually just saw her two days ago and she was like, I don't like to use the word perfect because it doesn't exist. She was like, if anything, your business, your relationship, your body, your looks, every anything if anything was perfect like what would be the point of life like you're never you would never have anything to strive for yeah to be better like you can always want to be better but if you're thinking that the destination is to be perfect it's it's never gonna happen and you're only gonna let yourself down yeah I think there's so much truth to that especially in entrepreneurship I would consider like even before you started done like you're an entrepreneur like you're running your own shit you're a freelancer you're making your own videos handling your own shit and Mm -hmm. I think that like especially if you're a high achiever and you think we're like similar in this way, nothing seems to be good enough for, Mm -hmm. you know, us. And I think that's one of the hardest things to grapple with. And I've talked a lot about this on the podcast, just like we're never content ever. Mm -hmm. It's just a human condition. So we might as well just enjoy the journey and find joy Mm -hmm. in the moment. Specifically when it comes to business and entrepreneurship, like, I try to remind myself, I'm like, if you're giving it, because there are, there are times where I'm hard on myself and it's because I know I'm not giving it hundred percent. I know I'm not yeah. giving it my best. And so I think that there is some good level of like internal competition and wanting to be your best. I think that that's a good thing. And wanting to be perfect, no, but wanting to be your best. So I think that that's where the fine line for me is drawn of like wanting to put put my best foot forward versus wanting to be perfect. Because I think sometimes I'll, especially when you're so close to your work, like whether it's, you know, my content business and creating beauty videos and working with beauty brands and also now my new, you know, beverage business. When you're so close to something, sometimes you just like start to second guess yourself. A hundred percent. Nice to just get a bit of perspective and be like, did you do your best in the moment when you made this, when you created this, when you made this decision, were you making the best decision at the time? And then you just have to keep moving forward. Yeah. I think relinquishing that control is incredibly hard, especially as an entrepreneur, especially as someone who like, I talk about this a lot, but like as creators, like you're in your like you're in your work, you never leave. It's a self brand. When does work end? When does the life begin? And I think just being human about certain things, but I I think you make a really good point. Like there needs to be a balance still because I'm not going to feel good if I'm not giving a hundred. Also I'm human. So if I need Mm -hmm. a mental health day where I can't like my hundred that day is 60, like I need to be able to be okay with that. And relinquishing that control is hard. And I feel like, especially now that I'm running two businesses, it's been so hard to disconnect and to relinquish control of certain things and I'm learning that I I know I'm gonna have to it's hard when you're like a especially as a startup business with my new drink brand it's only me so I am doing everything like I'm customer service I'm marketing I'm creative I'm formulating the drink like I'm doing everything and yes of course like I have help with like my manufacturer and I have 
you know, people around me that can help me, but I am a one woman show. And so I, I think I put pressure on myself of like, well, you can't take time off. You can't totally take a minute. Like you have to be checking your emails or DMS. Like you don't want to miss an opportunity. And I think I'm hoping that like, as you know, the brand grows, I'm able to relinquish that control, but it's something I'm actively working on because when you put so much time and energy and money into a business, whether it's content, like whatever you're doing, whatever your business is, if you're putting a hundred percent into it, it's sometimes hard to like let go of that control. That's and be personal. Like, oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And I think it's a live and learn for sure, mm-hmm. but I would love to get into done. I know that the creation of the brand is rooted in a lot of things in a mm-hmm. healing journey in mm-hmm. just your lifestyle. I would love for you to just break down like your lifestyle, where it all started, why you stopped drinking alcohol. I know you don't consider yourself like completely sober. Yeah. So about three years ago, oh, three, four years ago, I decided I was going to do a month without alcohol. It had like, Again, to your point, I don't consider myself sober. I don't, um, I've never had like a drinking problem. I've never identified as having a drinking problem, but alcohol I was finding wasn't just like serving me in my life about three years ago. So like I took, mental health wise or like physical, yeah, just everything like mental health, physical, like, you know, the only time I would, you know, fight with my fiance would be when I was drunk. And mm. I was someone that didn't drink every day. I didn't drink during the week. I didn't have like a glass of wine with dinner. I would just only drink when I was like out with friends on the weekends. Yeah. So it would kind of be a situation where I never really had like a tolerance for it. And then I'd go out, drink too much, wake up with anxiety, regrets, you know, um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a month with no alcohol and a month turned into a year because I felt so good. And after that year was up, I was like, okay, I'm going to slowly reintroduce alcohol because I don't think it was ever an issue, but, and I want to be able to, you know, have a glass of wine up to dinner with girlfriends. And so for the past, so the two years after that, over the course of those two years, I would just like dabble. I didn't really drink a lot. I would go through periods, weeks, months where I just really didn't drink. Mm-hmm. Not consciously. These weren't like conscious decisions, but I would notice like, oh, you haven't drank. And then when I would drink, the less I drank, the more I noticed how much drinking affected me. Mm. So it was like actually in about- in like mainly my mental health, okay. I would realize even if I went out to dr- to like dinner with friends and I had one or two glasses of wine or one or two drinks, I would wake up and I wouldn't want to go to the gym. I wouldn't want to eat healthy. Mm. I wouldn't be as productive. I, I would just always notice it. It was always like a conscious thing of like, wow. And again, not even getting drunk, just one or two drinks. I would wake up and I'd be like, I'm not feeling 100%. So about a year ago, I decided that alcohol just like was no longer serving me. So I stopped drinking and I I still don't drink. I had this revelation. I was out. It was like a Saturday day. I was going out with to like brunch with some girlfriends and my fiance and we were meeting up with a bunch of people and I went into like a bodega and I just wanted something to drink and everything that was at this like market I went to like three different places everything that was there either had some sort of like CBD or THC in it or had like tons of caffeine in it there wasn't anything that I was like oh like give me that like cocktail like feel so that day we went out to a bar and I was sitting down with my friends and I had my seltzer water with lime which got really (laughs) boring after a while and I was like I feel like there aren't a lot of 
cocktails on the market, but without the alcohol and sugar, like a, like a mocktail, but that like tastes like a cocktail. Yeah. They were like, well, there's this bread and there's that bread. And they started listing off, you know, some big name, non-alcoholic beverage companies. And they were all like bitters based, more aperitif, digestive type drinks. And that was never something that I like liked to drink when I did yeah. drink alcohol. I wanted those classic cocktail flavors, but without all the sugar and obviously without the alcohol. So I started doing some research. I found that there were there were some non-alcoholic mocktails on the market, but they had like 15, 16, 20 grams of sugar per can. And as someone who's very health conscious. I, again, wouldn't drink that. Like there was just yeah. nothing on the market that I felt like would do it for me. And so I was like, great, well, if there's nothing out there, I'm going to have to create it myself. I love so it. So that's where like the whole concept came from. And that was like a year and a half ago. So it's been a really, really long time working on the brand from formulation to packaging, to finding the name, to trademarking the name, to the branding. Like it took so long and it, there were times I had so much self-doubt during like the past year and a half and I still deal with imposter syndrome all the time. But finally this January we launched and it was so exciting. So exciting. And the feedback has been absolutely amazing. People they love are them. Amazing. They're so oh, yes, good. You've, you've oh yes, you ordered yes. them. I yes, I got the spicy mango. They're amazing. I obviously love cocktails, mm-hmm. but I really try not to drink during the week like really yes. badly. Cause I just want to feel again, like a hundred percent. I have so much going on. <laughs> like yes. I cannot drink during the week if I can help it. Like I'll have like a glass totally. every now and then if a girlfriend mm-hmm. wants to meet up or whatever, yeah. but I really try not to drink during the week. And so the other day, even I was like, Oh, I just want a cocktail right now. Like mm-hmm. I need a cocktail. And then I was like, Oh, I have done in my fridge. And it totally yeah. like curbed my craving for it. Mm-hmm. Especially as someone who's like not like, I don't want to say sober, but like, who's not, um, given up alcohol. It was like a great health choice for me to be like, Oh my gosh, like I can feel like I'm having a cocktail without actually having a cocktail. I love that. I'm so glad you love them. Yes. And that's like, I know that like all of my friends, my fiance, like all everyone in my life drinks socially. Like, and I know that that's like a totally, even though I don't do it, I know that so many people socially drink, but I also have noticed that most, almost every single person in my life has said something similar to you in that they're actively trying to drink less. They're actively like, they don't want to drink during the week. They're also starting to pick up on how like even a glass or two of wine, like makes them feel. And so I feel like even though people aren't quitting drinking completely, there's like this dialogue around cutting back. Yeah. You know, just well, I feel like it becomes almost a habit, like like mm-hmm. subconsciously for people. Like mm-hmm. I've never been one that like comes home and cracks open a beer or like mm-hmm. cracks open a glass, but I would say that's fairly normal. Like people Definitely. just like have turned it into a routine. And a lot mm-hmm. of times they don't actually want to necessarily drink. And I think having something in your fridge that's like the same concept and it's going to give you that same like vibe, but you're not actually mm-hmm. putting like the alcohol into your body is just like a smart decision. I've also heard that they make for great mixers too. So they're, Ooh. you know, as much as being a mocktail, I, again, I use them as a mocktail. Again, my friends drink and I've been told that a little bit of tequila in the spicy mango marg with like a little bit of lime juice is delicious. It also makes for just a healthier choice in drinking versus having like a really sugary margarita or having, you know, all of the mixers, like the bottled mixers on the market are just like absolute trash. They have so much sugar, so many preservatives. You don't even know what you're drinking. 
Well, the thing I love about Done, too, is, like, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, there's things like Poppy or whatever. And it's like Poppy makes you, like you can't have too many because there's like probiotic in it. And mm-hmm. it's just not the same. The done cocktail or mocktail is like it actually tastes like a cocktail vibe. Mm-hmm. It's like slightly sparkly. I know you like promote it being like slightly sparkling, like mm-hmm. a margarita kind of. Yeah. And like it just tastes more like a cocktail. Like Poppy just tastes like a soda and they're great. <sighs> But like yeah. it's like a sugar-free soda and there's a difference. And I love that totally. you kind of created something for the person that wants to have the cocktail experience. Totally. And that's why I created Done. And I love, like, I love like the, I'm an Olipop gal. So it's yeah. poppy. Yeah, yeah. But I actually loved the poppy cranberry fizz. They had this like limited edition flavor for the holidays. It was so good. I'm also a cranberry girl. So love cranberry. you heard it here, you heard it here first, but there may or may Ooh. not be a Cosmo coming down the pipeline. Yay. That's exciting. Um, but yeah, that was my issue. It's like, the, yes, of course you, I could have gone and had like a diet Coke or like a, a poppy or a, you know, there's lots of like drinks the beverage business is one of the biggest industries in the world but there wasn't something that a tasted like the cocktails that I liked and b gave me the experience of like having a cocktail I always have heard you know like the best businesses solve a problem and I really did truly feel like I was solving a problem for myself and I was like you know what if if I can solve it for myself and other people can benefit from it, that'll be great. But I really did feel like there was this gap in the market. So I'm hoping that people can try them and love them yes, as much as I, I do. Starting. So kind of speaking to, I know you touched a little bit on imposter syndrome, self-doubt. I think that's one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur, like keeping continuing to push forward, persevere through the self-doubt. And I think especially when you're in the content creator space, social media space, like it can be hard to like transition into like a business owner space, especially when Mm -hmm. it comes to a product. Like how did you handle it all? Like was done your first um, business venture or did you kind of have to like build up a resilience already? It was my first official business venture, but I've, I've always had this like entrepreneurial mindset where I've had like so many ideas for businesses and I've always known in my heart and my gut that I wanted to start my own business. But this was my first like official venture into creating an actual product. I feel very blessed that a, I have, you know, a lot of, I had seven years of corporate experience doing marketing and copywriting. And so, you know, when it came to like my branding and my packaging, like that was, that was like the easy part for me. Um, and then obviously my job in social media, like I know social media, I know how to run paid advertisements. Like there was a lot of experience that I could bring into the new business, but then there was also this whole other side of, you know, supply chain and formulations and development and all sorts of things that I had zero clue. And every, I've had people like message me, be like, how did you start a business? I'm like, I went on Google, like start on Google, you know, you have to start from somewhere. So yes, I had a lot of like transferable skills, but in terms of like the industry, I went from, you know, the past, well, I graduated in 2015. So almost 10 years of working in the beauty industry to pivoting into the consumer packaged goods space to like actually bring it to life was something that I was like, holy crap, like, how am I going to do this? Uh And I really just took it step by step, day by day. Google was my best friend. I asked tons of questions. I reached out to so many people, 
figured out the people that I had like the best vibe from, you know, when you're working with like formulators and manufacturers and like, you're kind of learning all this new aspect of like your business, you know, people like to say they're startup friendly. People aren't like manufacturers, packaging companies, like they are not startup friendly. And so you really want to find people that like believe in what you're doing and really want to help you succeed and really are startup friendly and are really going to help you like get your stuff off the ground. So I was really lucky that like I had really great partners to help bring the product to life, but I had no idea what I was doing. So like the whole time, and even now I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, imposter syndrome creeps up on me every single day. It's something that I'm sure creeps up on like Mark Cuban. Like, I mean, maybe not Mark Cuban, but like there's probably (laughs) so many like CEOs and I think it's human. Yeah. I think it's human. I think no matter what industry you're in, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you're going to have some sort of like doubt in yourself and imposter syndrome, especially when you're risking a lot for something, you, you put a pressure on yourself to always want to make the right decisions. My biggest advice to like someone who is starting, wanting to start a business where they have zero experience, like I had zero experience in the beverage consumer package good space is to just like become a student again. Like I did so much research. I read so much. I bought every single competitor on the market, tried it, tasted it, looked up their price points, looked up like their ingredients, looked up what could be better. You know, I did so much research and you essentially become a student again. Like I feel like every day I'm learning something new, which is super exciting. Yeah. But it's scary at the same time because no, yeah. I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just (laughs) pretending like I do. I love that though. I think that is amazing advice. I think the moment that you mentally think you know it all is the moment that things stay stagnant. I think Mm -hmm. the the continual push to learn more in your own field and in the field that you're trying to move into is smart. I think people are a bit, you know, they let their ego get in the way and I don't think Mm -hmm. they ask for help. They don't like do the work because you're right. Like a lot of people like message and be like, how have you done this? How have you gone full time? How have you started your own business? And it's like, we are so blessed. We have like the internet to like teach us everything. And I think just if you feel strongly about something, I think you kind of have to like push through that nervousness and fear and Mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. I have no idea what I'm doing and become a student. I tell myself, I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay. Like you fail and you learn, and then you come up with a new business idea. And like, like the worst case scenario isn't, I feel like we all come up with like these worst case scenarios when you're like taking a risk and the worst case scenario rarely ever happens. And if it does, we like think we're not gonna be able to handle it, but we can. And for me, I was like, it's now or never. When I started full time with my business, I felt, or with the content creation, I felt like it was now or never. And now with like the whole non-alcoholic, space you know popping off right now I was like it's now or never like you have this idea go for it and to take that leap is super scary but I think regret is scarier and like I have had this urge in my soul for so long to start my own business that the second I realized what it was going to be I was like you have to just do it yeah I love it you say that I say that all the time that I'm so scared of regret I always tell people like if you can live with the what if then fine. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't feel passionately enough about it where you can live with like the what if, then like maybe you take time to think if this is truly an option. But for me, I feel like the what if has always been like a little bit scarier and would haunt me more than just pushing through the anxiety and fear of not being good enough, failing, even though it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. I can't live with the what ifs. And I also, this is going to get like so deep, 
and I don't mean it to, but I tell myself all the time and I like say it out loud to like my fiance to my friends all the time. I'm like, we have one life on this earth, whether you believe in reincarnation, whether you believe in God, Buddha, whoever you believe in, in this life, in this body to say it's now or never, like, I don't want to live a life of regret. And I don't want to be 70, 80, 90 years old being like, wow, you had all these amazing ideas and you just didn't believe in yourself. It's not morbid or deep. Like it's real. That is like Mm -hmm. the truth. One of the biggest fears for me is like being at the end of my life and being like, damn, like that was Mm -hmm. a dream of mine. And I fully had the capacity to go for it and try it and like Mm -hmm. really work for it. And I didn't because I was scared. Like, I don't know. It's just fear is so... I get it. Like fear, anxiety, like I struggle so much with it. I think we all do, especially as Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs or people who are just trying to like live in the creative space as well. It's risky, Mm -hmm. but I think it's one of those things you got, you have to get really comfortable with fear or you're going Mm -hmm. to live with a lot of regret. To your point of uncomfortableness, like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is something that as an entrepreneur, it's I think a necessity and something I'm learning every day. You might not know how it's going to turn out. Something you do might not pan out. You might make a bunch of mistakes, but you will learn from them. And like, it's not always going to be comfortable. And I, I try to always look up rather than compare, look up to certain entrepreneurs and people and like, whether it's other like beverage brands that have been super successful. Like I look at Poppy and I'm like, wow, like Coca-Cola is looking to buy Poppy. And like, I remember them being on Shark Tank as under a different name. Like, you know, it's super inspirational. And I think, you know, knowing that like these huge companies were at one point in the same exact position as you. And I think that that's sometimes like, I'll listen to so many different podcasts about entrepreneurship and honestly, half the time they're helpful and half the time they're a bit discouraging because there are companies that like start off with like tons of funding. There are companies that start off with, you know, uh, a big inheritance people have. Like, you know, you you can't compare yourself to uh, how other people are starting their journey, but you can look up to these companies and every big, you know, company, every person on the Forbes under... 30 under 30 list, like they've all been in my shoes. Sure, there are companies that have lots of funding and kind of take off the second they launch, but like a lot of people have to start from zero and they have to build up. I listen to a lot of Ed Milet, especially Mm, when I'm like feeling the entrepreneurial anxiety. Like I go through waves, right, of like feeling comfortable and uncomfortable and how well I can like manage the anxiety. Like it's just like a total roller coaster, which I know you understand, but I feel that there is like a road of like least resistance that you can choose to pick. He talks about it a lot. And I love mm-hmm. the analogy because I feel like we are all capable of like launching the multi-million dollar company. I know mm-hmm. to your point, there are people who have advantages, disadvantages, but we all have the the capacity to do it. I think it's mm-hmm. the people who really push through self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Our mind usually holds us back. They talk about it in workout classes all the time. Yeah. How like you can do anything for 30 more seconds or like your body can always be pushed further than like your mind wants to let you. And I think that Mm -hmm. it's the people who really push through the uncomfortable and to your point, get comfortable in the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. who end up, you know, making it. We we all have this in us. And I think if you um, feel you have a purpose to launch something or do something um, intuitively, 
like, I feel we all can do it. I think it's just a matter of, can you push through the failures? Can you push through the anxiety? Can you push through the, like, maybe one, two, three times it doesn't work out? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people choose the path of least resistance, which is kind of giving up. And to your point, I'm not okay with that regret. <laughs> yeah. And the path of least resistance is also what society is like, deemed as normal and like totally. my my mom my dad my stepdad they worked the same job for 40 years they from when they got my parents didn't go to college but when they graduated high school got a job they've been at the same company my mom is still there she's hopefully retiring soon but she worked the same job now granted she had different jobs within her company but she worked that nine to five for 40 years put money into her retirement and and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with taking the nine to five route there's lots of pros to it you know it's it's not risky you have a paycheck in your account that you know the exact number it's going to be every single week you know you have benefits you know you know there is absolutely nothing wrong with it climbing the corporate ladder like to each their own yeah like if you feel that's your journey then Mm -hmm. like and you feel good in where you are at like it's great Mm -hmm. but to your point like I feel there's a lot of people who aren't okay in it and they're in it and they want more but they're scared yeah they're scared and they don't want to take the risk and they'd rather live miserable working a job they absolutely hate and wait for the day they retire to like live their life. And I just, I've known from a very young age, I used to like quote, quote, play boss. Like that was like, I would be by myself because I was an only child in my room playing boss of like the store with my cash register. Like my mom would be like, yeah, you'd play boss and like talk to like imaginary friends that were like your worker. And like, I've always known from a young age that I needed to work for myself. And I was always a great employee, like over the 10 years of like my corporate, you know, beauty experience, but I never like felt at home at any of the companies. And I never felt that like passion for any of the companies I worked for. It was like, I'm never going to cross the line of like, you know, I'm going to leave at six o'clock. I'm going to go home. Like I'm not overworking for a company that like, I don't feel that burning passion for. And so I think knowing that I had this desire and this like internal dialogue being like, you have to start, like, this is such a good business idea. You have to start it. I listened to it. People will say from the outside looking in, they're like, oh, it's great. You work for yourself. You have so much flexibility. And I'm like, sure, there are pros and cons to each. Like I said, you know, there are so many pros to working for yourself. There is a a freedom that you get, but that freedom comes at a price of feeling like you can't ever detach from your phone, not knowing, you know, when you're going to get your invoices paid and not knowing, you know, if all the money, this money you invested is going to, you know, work out. And it's definitely the path of of most resistance. I mean, and it's not for the faint of heart. I think it's made me having both my content business and now a totally new business. It's helped my mental health in a way because it's forced me to like really, to your point, sit in the uncomfortable but persevere and be like, you know what? You have to have confidence in yourself. Like you want confidence, like launch a business and like, like execute things, like make that to-do list, start executing things. Like that's what gives me self-confidence is being like saying I'm going to do something and then doing it. And I think so many people in life lack self-confidence and it's because they're not keeping the promises that they make to themselves, whether it's like not just in business, but like whether it comes to their health or their relationships, like, you know, saying, oh, well, I need to leave this relationship, but I'm not going to, or yep. I need to go to the gym, but I'm not going to, or I want to start this 
you know, company, but it's easier to just stay at my desk shop. Like all of these are going to give you lack of confidence because you're not listening to like your inner voice and you're not keeping these promises that you're saying to yourself. Making a hard decision really does empower you, especially in regard to the self-doubt stuff. Mm -hmm. I think like, especially if you like run a bit anxious, you've dealt with mental health stuff, but even as humans, like making the hard calls when the time comes, when it's incredibly uncomfortable and scary does build confidence. You start to trust yourself more. And I Mm -hmm. think the entrepreneurial journey really tests mental health, like big time. I've always struggled with mental health. And I think it's why we connected like so Mm -hmm. early too. Yeah. But like, always struggled. And I think the entrepreneurial journey really made me like push deeper into like the inner work I needed to do. But I think making hard calls, even if you don't own a business to your point, like does make you feel more confident. You get more comfortable Mm -hmm. trusting what you know to be true in your like inner soul being and intuition. Going back to what you were talking about, like about entrepreneurship, like I feel too many people glamorize it. And I love that you like, are just like, it's not that it's not no. all it's meant out to be. And I agree with you. I think it's, I love what I do. And I'm so mm-hmm. incredibly like happy and thankful that I get to work for myself, but it is a give and take. And I think mm-hmm. that that's why it's so important for people to like try their best to find a passion job that they do that they love. Like sometimes right. you have to take the job that sucks to like mm-hmm. pay the bills. But I do think to your point, like life is too short and mm-hmm. you know, I'd take a pay cut any day to just continue to do what I love each day because totally. I just want to be happy, you know, yeah. and have yeah. no regrets. Totally. And I think for people that have a nine to five job that can't take the like it is a risk. And as someone who was self-employed prior to launching this new business, like I do and I did and still do have the flexibility of time and um, I'm able to still make an income whilst pursuing you know, another entrepreneurial endeavor. And I know a lot of people, you know, when it comes to like launching a business, they have to quit their nine to five and live off their savings. Like they're not making money until this business takes off. So I totally get that there is a risk. And I would just say like, to your point of entrepreneurship, really pushing your mental health, like not everyone is or should be. And it's, this isn't a bad thing. It's cut out to be an entrepreneur. Like I know, for instance, I know I am not like a CEO. Like I joke that like the first person I'm going to hire is going to be a CEO to make yeah. all of like, the non-emotional executive decisions. Cause like, and I know my strong suits, like I know branding, social media, creative, like I'd love to be like the, the creative director of my company when it takes off one day and I can hire some, you know, badass woman to be my CEO. I think being really introspective and knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at can also help guide you in like what you want to do, whether that's launching a business, whether that's staying at, you know, your, your corporate job and climbing the corporate ladder. Like what are your strong suits? Totally. Like self-awareness is key in entrepreneurship, like being able to acknowledge when you're not good at something. And when you need help, but to your point, like when finding your passions too, like maybe you hate your nine to five, but you don't know what you would do anyway. I have a lot of friends in like the mid twenties, late twenties boat who like make good money are at their job, but they're a bit like miserable for lack of Mm -hmm. a better word. But they are also like, I have a really close friend who is also like, but I don't know what I would do instead. And I think like having that self-awareness to start looking at like, okay, maybe I don't know what I'm going to do instead, but what do I love? What am I good at? And what am I not good at? And like narrowing it down that way. 
Yeah. And I think sitting in that unknown, like so many, to your point of glamorizing entrepreneurship, I feel like it's all over social media. Everyone's starting a business that people think it's this like glamorous thing and they take bad risks and they're like, well, say to your point, your friend, like, oh, she doesn't know what she wants to do. So she quits her job and kind of does something spur of the moment. I don't think that's necessarily great either. I think taking calculated risks is good, but I think being able to sit with yourself and like your friend being like, Hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know that I have a great paying job that I'm going to stick with for now. And then I'll make a decision in a year from now, like, you know, giving yourself time. I think social media has glamorized entrepreneurship so much that people are feeling like if I'm not starting a business, if I'm not an influencer, if I'm not, you know, making X amount of dollars ever, like I'm not successful. And I don't think that that's true. I think first of all, happiness is the key to success. Like a successful life for me is a happy life. But if you're, if you're going strictly off of like professional success, I think knowing when to like sit with yourself, which is the hardest thing to do. I think that's what people struggle with the most. People cannot sit with themselves and they don't do the work. And like, to your point, like to live a happy, successful life. Like I believe the key is like doing the work, like sitting Mm -hmm. with yourself. Like you cannot expect to be in tune with like your purpose and like be like clear on like your intuition. Cause like I felt so intuitively and I'm sure you did too with done that like, this is really scary, but there's a reason I can't shake that I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like if you're not connected to yourself in that way, like mm-hmm. that's when you start making bad decisions. That's when you're not aligned with your true inner self and you're making like maybe some weird risks or feeling lost in your life. Totally. And that's where I was when I was working on my corporate jobs. I mean, I put the longest I probably stayed at one of my corporate jobs was like a year and a half. Like I would jump from job to job and like I didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't know my passion I just knew in like the moment it wasn't right and looking back obviously it all led me to to here which is was all the right I guess all the right decisions because it led me here you know I do regret you know looking back I should have sat with myself more I hate to bring it back to like drinking and health and stuff but I really truly feel that when your mind is clear and you're like eating right you're moving your body, you're doing the work mentally, like whether that's meditation, seeing a therapist, seeing a psychiatrist, reading self-help books, whatever it may be for you. Like if you're really working on yourself from a holistic angle, you're going to make the right decisions because your head's clear, your heart's clear. I think when you're emotionally distraught, you're not happy and you're making these decisions, whether it comes to business or relationships or friendships, it's never going to end well. I think when you take care of yourself, your brain, your body, you start to just kind of know yourself more and you can, to your point, listen to your gut and make those decisions just across like your whole life. Yeah. And because you did the work and you cared enough to like make the hard decisions, which instill that confidence we were talking about, you're going to feel more confident being able to take hard risks. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I love that you said that speaking to, um, the drinking stuff and health stuff. Uh, one of the questions I have written down is what would you say to someone who is considering giving up alcohol is a little nervous about it because maybe like they're scared to miss out on some social stuff, or maybe they're just like, I don't know if alcohol is affecting me in negative ways, positive ways. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, I would say the first step to like exploring that is, is having these thoughts. So I think the fact that you're even having these thoughts is, is awesome because you're having that internal dialogue And I would say to just start off slow and give yourself like 
two weeks. I have ADHD, so (laughs) I work very well with like strict deadlines. It's not as intimidating. Yeah, it's not as intimidating or a week and just be like, it depends on how often you drink. But if say you're someone that has a glass of wine every night with dinner, give yourself one week without having a glass of wine at dinner. Grab a done, grab a drink, a poppy, whatever you want and see how you feel. And I think after that week, you reassess. But I would just say, like, it's something to explore, and then you can make decisions. People think, like, oh, I have to quit drinking, like, tomorrow. Or, like, I have to quit drinking for, like, X amount of time. Like, no, just, like, explore it. Some more advice would be to just have, like, a nice mocktail to drink at night. Just because if it's a part of your routine. It, like, fills in the habit. Yeah, it fills in the habit. And then assess how you feel. And for me, when I did that it made it really clear that alcohol wasn't for me, but I think everyone processes alcohol so differently. Everyone's body. So, you know, you may say, you know, I don't think I have a problem and I I like having my glass of wine with dinner. And and so you'll keep doing that. But I think the fact that you're even having this conversation with yourself is a great thing. And to just give yourself, you know, a short little window that doesn't put too much pressure on yourself to try it out. I think this goes back to self-awareness too. Like, just like be aware of like how you're feeling in the moment and like, don't be scared to change your mind and change it again. Mm -hmm. Like whenever my anxiety is high, I always, I'm like self-aware enough to know like, okay, need to lay off the drinking this weekend. Not Mm -hmm. in the best headspace. I know that I'm going to have anxiety if I'm already feeling like a few of my pillar, my life pillars are like shaky Mm -hmm. right now. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to like have mocktails or I'm going to like, when we go to the bar, I'm going to have one and I'm going to do a gin and so, or a grapefruit and soda instead of like Mm -hmm. sans gin. And like, I think just being self-aware, like what place am I at right now? And like not being ashamed or let your ego get in the way. If like you decide like, I'm going to like, stop drinking alcohol and then you have it and like maybe you change your mind like it's not a big deal to change your mind and go back and change it back like we're human Mm -hmm. and like you have to work with like where you are in that time and place and moment when it comes to fearing that you're not going to have fun or your friends will judge you if you have friends that are making comments to you or putting you down for not drinking I can guarantee that they are deflecting their own like they have a problem (laughs) yeah I think I think people that are drunk love to be around people that are drunk and I think when people that are drunk notice you're sober they don't want to be around you because they know you're going to remember all the crazy stuff they're doing so I would ignore those people and also I would hope and my friends are so supportive but I would hope that your true friends want what's best for you and want you to be the best version of yourself. Your friends should be supporting you and no matter what you do. And if they aren't, then maybe it's time to reevaluate. Totally. I love that. Okay. A few yeah. beauty questions before I let you go. Okay. We're going to just completely turn. Rapid fire. You literally know all things beauty. I need like morning routine, night routine. Holy grail products, like just spitfire some products that you feel are like must. It's probably a shock to people. My routine is really simple. It's really simple. Morning, night, simple. Morning routine. I wash my face with the La Roche-Posay Gentle Cleanser. It's the one in the blue bottle. So good. Um, Morning and night, that's what I use on my face. Uh, After I cleanse, I use um, a really lightweight like gel moisturizer. And then I go in with my sunscreen. 
What's the moisturizer? The La Roche-Posay Double Repair Moisturizer. And it sounds really heavy, but it's actually really lightweight and like kind of cooling on the skin. Depending on how my skin... So I deal with perioral dermatitis, which is like a whole other conversation we can talk about on another podcast. But I've gotten it in check. Um, I've had it for the past like two years. But when I have a flare-up, that's my routine. Um, I use a tinted like sunscreen and then I'll go in with makeup if I'm wearing it. But when my skin isn't flaring up, I will go in with like a super gentle vitamin C serum. Um, I like the one from Skin Better Science. It's like a dermatologist grade brand. It's called the Alto C serum, something like that. So I'll use that, but sparingly because my skin's super sensitive. And then my SPF is 75. I use 75 and I use a mineral sunscreen. That is my tip for any sensitive skin, acne prone, dermatitis, eczema, rosacea, dry skin, literally you name it, stop wearing chemical sunscreens. They're so harsh on the skin. So many people are allergic to chemical sunscreens and they don't know it and they're just really irritating. So I like to use a mineral sunscreen. Okay. So that's my morning skincare routine. Nighttime. If I'm wearing makeup, I will go in with the pharmacy, uh, green clean, like, balm, uh, makeup remover balm. Then I'll double cleanse with my La Roche-Posay cleanser. Um, then I go in with a, it's like a peptide copper serum from the ordinary, super gentle, Ooh. but it's good for like firming hydration. Um, then I will go in with a teensy bit of rosehip oil, like a hundred percent pressed organic rose hip seed oil from the ordinary and then my moisturizer my La Roche-Posay moisturizer and if my skin is really dry I will use the La Roche-Posay Sisti-Class Balm which is like this really thick gooey super hydrating moisturizer and I will put that on if I have any flare-ups any breakouts I like glob it on but my skin's really sensitive so I'm I can't use any like the fun things like retinol or acids. I don't use any acids. I can't. My skin is like too sensitive, but that's when um, I'll do some laser treatments. Super gentle, but it really helps since I can't use retinol and acids. It helps with like wrinkles. Um, I will use a nice like ice roller, put my face in an ice bucket if I'm feeling puffy. Like I went out to Bond Street Sushi last weekend for Valentine's Day and I woke up and I was so puffy. I try to gua sha and do all like that. I go through phases. I'm addicted. I like have gotten everyone in my life on like a gua sha sculpting routine because I just believe in it so much. So this is your sign. All right, I'll do do it. it. I have one. I have one. Red light therapy mask from Current Body. That is a game changer. I use that. Again, I go through phases whenever I'm having a dermatitis flare-up or a breakout, that thing is on. If I'm like going on like a trip or like my pre-wedding, I'm going to be wearing it like four times a day. It's the current body. It's really expensive, but it's so worth it. Your skin like glows after. Current body is the brand. That's the one I like. It's like $380. It's expensive, but like you're going to use it all the time and it's really good. Back to what I was saying. I also have this device. I believe it's called the Silken, S-I-L-K apostrophe N. And it is a, it's like the new face technology where it lifts. 
It has red light and it has infrared heat. <gasps> and it's this wand. It's like a three-in-one wand. I have not been using it lately, but I'm, I'm going to. I'm this okay. conversation reminded me. <laughs> you need to send me a link. I need to explore. And then what are some like holy grail makeup products that like everyone should be like trying to incorporate? I watch your videos all the time. All of your makeup products are amazing. I started using nude sticks because you were using it a lot and I love it. What are some other brands or products? Love nude sticks. Um, When it comes to like blushes, bronzers, I use nude sticks all the time. They're so good for travel. And some of the shades are like multi-use for like bronzer blush. And then I'll like use it on the eyes and lips. And you can literally pack one tiny stick obsessed with nude sticks. As a beauty influencer, I try so many products. So when I repurchase a product, that's how you know it's like really good. And I rarely repurchase products. But recently I repurchased the Tower 28 concealer. It's my Mm. favorite concealer of all time. It's so creamy. It, you don't need powder like I'm wearing it now and I don't have any powder on. Um, Actually, that's a lie. I do have powder on right now because we're filming this. But normally (laughs) I don't wear powder. People in the comments are going to be like, I see powder. I am wearing powder, but normally I don't. So Tower 28 concealer, so good. And this is like so new and it's such a bold statement. I posted it on my Instagram story, but I think I have a brand new all-time favorite foundation. Oh, let's hear it. And it's so bold because... I've only been using it for like two weeks, but I haven't used another foundation. Now this is like, I normally just use like a tinted sunscreen or like a tinted moisturizer most days, but this is so like, if I want like a foundation foundation. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. It is the brand new makeup forever HD Hydra skin glow foundation. Oh, I want to try it. It's so good. So I'm obsessed with makeup forever complexion products. I think they just do them the best. And their foundation stick prior to this foundation was my all-time favorite foundation ever but they're discontinuing it I don't know why it's the best foundation ever no one talks about it you should try it before they discontinue it it's the makeup forever hd stick so good but then they launched this new liquid foundation it's so glowy it's so good it looks like your skin but it covers everything up like if I'm wearing a foundation, I want it to like, I'm not one of those like, oh, like light coverage. Like, no, if I'm wearing a foundation, I want it to like look absolutely flawless. And this foundation is so good. Yeah. I was going to say, so, so I use the Giorgio Armani Luminous Silk and it's like a mm. holy grail of mine, mm-hmm. but like, I want to try this. So it's similar to Giorgio Armani Luminous Silk, but a bit glowier. It's not as like Ooh. self-setting. I feel like Giorgio Armani is kind of like, even though it's luminous silk, I do think it's a bit more matte. It mats out. It like dries. It mats out. Yeah. This doesn't. This is more okay. like skin carry. Okay. It's really good. I'm going to try really it. Good. I'm excited. Because I'm the type too. like, I do full face. Like, I'll do light, like very simple eye makeup. But mm-hmm. like, I want, I want Flawless. my face covered and like contoured. Oh, one more product that I have to, I couldn't not mention. Because I've hit pan on it and had to repurchase. Makeup by Mario's. It's in the pot. It's his soft sculpt skin enhancer like cream bronzers that are in like a little tin shade medium is my shade so I feel like it'd be your shade or maybe you could maybe be light medium like maybe one beneath it's so good so creamy that and the nude sticks bronzers are like the only cream bronzers I use okay I want to try because that man is genius Mm -hmm. I my lip combo is his liner the in shade tan and then I bought the ethereal like shadow palette after he posted you in it 
I was oh, like, yeah, I need that, that. And I love it because it has like the matte colors that I can use every day. And mm-hmm. then the sparkles. And the shimmers are, are so good. Because I use the Chanel Beauty like cream, like the Dissol- the 345 Day Soleil so, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a bit pricey. And yeah. You're going to love this. It's, it's so it's ex- shade medium, the exact same color, that really warm color, but it is way better. Okay, I want to try. It's I want to like, try. The Chanel one, I feel like, is much more matte and like you're gonna love it. Okay, I'm gonna buy it. I'm sold. Yeah, I get it. Yay! Okay, so last question. I ask everybody on the podcast. That's Ooh. why it's called How I See It. Looking back on the entire journey so far, there's so much more to go. But looking back mm-hmm. on just where you started and the mental health journey and the entrepreneurial journey, the makeup career. How do you see it? How do you see the journey? I see the journey as exactly right. Like I do really truly feel that everything happens for a reason. And I think every single job, every single video I post, I think everything has led me to here. I wouldn't change it. You know, like I feel like you can look back and wish things went down a certain way, but I feel like my whole career has brought me to here. And I think I needed to learn every single lesson and I'm excited. We can be really hard on ourselves in general. And I think a lot of people like want to do that, like look back and regret like the things Mm -hmm. they've done, the things that have happened. I think for me too, I look back and I'm like, Oh God, but again, wouldn't be here without it all. And yeah. And when it comes to mental health, I think every time you go through a really low, it makes you appreciate the good times yeah. Like the good mental health, you know, like when you're feeling low, I'm really lucky, specifically mental health wise, my journey over the past year, I got with a really great psychiatrist. I feel like my mental health is in such a good place right now. Yay. And like, yeah, it all, it love all happens it. for a reason. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh man, thank you for pleasure. having me. This is so fun. I, I wish we lived closer and we could have been uh, in person. I know. Please share your socials for done for you where people can find you and shop the brand I'll put it in the show notes too yeah so my brand my mocktail brand done um the handle is at done drinking on social and the website is donedrinking.com. hopefully we're going to be in store soon but for right now you can just get it direct to consumer on our website and my personal beauty lifestyle content can be found at corinne reed perfect yay thank you again i'm so excited for you Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys.